Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. It is good to be with you wherever you're at. We're glad you're here. I'm Jim, and I serve as a pastor here, as well as our host for this worship experience today. We're so glad you were with us. Today, we continue our series called All Together Now. In fact, we're wrapping it up. It's our seventh week. Pastor Spencer will lead us in the book of Acts as we again see in a new and different way how God uses everyone, ordinary people, through the power of the Holy Spirit to change the world. God has a message for us all today. We have a gift for you, especially if you're new. If you're new with us, we'd love to send you a Starbucks digital gift card. We'll send that right out to you. Check in with us at sumc.co slash hello. Thanks for doing that. If you're enjoying this experience, you've been with us for a while, share it with a friend, do that. Uh, bless somebody else else's life. We appreciate that. And now, now let's hear from Stephanie, who's going to tell us more about what's going on here at Schweizer to connect us, to get us involved. Let's watch. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Happy Valentine's Day. What a joy it is to serve here at Schweitzer. And from one volunteer to many others out there, I want to say thank you. You are loved. Speaking of volunteering, if you're looking for a way to get more involved, there are so many opportunities out there, and you can find out about those at our serve page, sumc.co slash serve. This Wednesday marks the beginning of Lent, and this year our Ash Wednesday service will be online only. You'll be able to find it on our website all day long at sumc.co and also on our YouTube channel. This will be a special time together with Pastor Jason sharing a message and guiding us through the imposition of the ashes. Along with this, we have a lot of discussion groups surrounding Lent, and you can find out more about these at sumc.co slash groups. Lastly, if you're new to Schweitzer and have been joining us on site or in person for a while now and are interested in learning more about our mission and history, we'd invite you to join us on Tuesday, February 16th online from six to seven for our virtual all-in gathering. You'll be able to meet the pastors and hear more about Schweitzer's mission and vision. We look forward to seeing you then. Find out more at sumc.co slash all in. Thanks so much, Stephanie. We appreciate you. If you're worshiping with us live, we invite you to engage. There's a chat feature. Go ahead and say hello to your friends. Say hello to others. Also, if you'd like prayer today, we have people available to pray with you. There's a prayer button, so feel free to access that, to use that as well. And now on this day that God's given us, let's, uh, let's worship together. Let's worship God, enjoy each other. Let's worship. Faithful you are 
Now let's pray together. We thank God for the gift of prayer, the conversation that we can have with God, listening, speaking, in times of solitude, together. Uh, prayer is a real gift. It shapes us, it shapes our world, and it certainly is the wellspring of our life with God and in community together. Today we'll let the scripture guide our prayer. In the uh, story, the scripture we're gonna hear from Pastor Spencer just shortly, we're going to see uh, and experience uh, several people where God is working, God is moving. We're going to see a seeker, a person seeking God, actually a foreigner, also uh, the Holy Spirit, and then a follower of Jesus. And the posture of humility uh, combined with availability and willingness to join God where God is working, well, it is powerful and it provides for a powerful witness. So today, let's seek those attributes, that posture of humility, obedience, willingness, and availability as we pray together. Let's pray. Holy God and kind, kind Father, we thank you that you meet us in this life, that you give us patience and humility, perseverance, the power of your Spirit. Come Holy Spirit and help us, God, as, as we confess, we, we like to uh, control and know everything at once. And so help us to be humble people, available and willing to join you where you're working and not having to know everything and to uh, have all the answers, but to really trust you in this life and in our lives, knowing that you are good and you have real purpose for us. And help us to not think that things are insignificant, that the little things and all you are doing and speaking, help us just to really lean into that. So God, we thank you this day. We love you and we praise you. And now we pray together the prayer you taught us long ago and saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, as we come to this time of offering, we thank God for God's giving and care, providing in our lives, and we respond to God's generosity with, as an act of worship. We give back with trust and obedience. We thank you for your, your gifts and tithes. Your generosity and giving really impacts a lot of lives in tangible ways. And, and for example, in, in recent weeks, it's your generosity has provided us a creative way to care for others, to bless others. Poor angels, volunteers have gone out to over a thousand homes to doorsteps, provided 
packages of care and love, inspiration and hope. And so thanks again. Again, your generosity really matters. And we can continue to give by going to sumc.co slash give. Thanks so much. And now Mary's going to continue to lead us in worship.
Well, friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer, and this is part seven of our series called All Together Now. This is part seven of seven, our very last week um, in this series. We've been reading through the first part of the book of Acts, learning how, how the Lord started the early church and how this movement began that just shaped the whole world. Now, next week, we're going to start a new series. It's going to be called As It Is in Heaven, and we're going to look uh, at the Lord's Prayer. We're going to spend six weeks looking at the Lord's Prayer, which is also Lent. And so Lent will start this coming Wednesday as we um, prepare ourselves for Easter. And so we'll, at the same time, be studying the Lord's Prayer together as we work through that. Um, today, though, as we wrap this up, seven of seven of the uh, this series all together now, reading about how the, the beginning of the early church. And, and we're stopping in, in Acts chapter 8, because in Acts chapter 9, the very next chapter, um, the book of Acts takes a hard turn, and for the rest of the book, really focuses on Paul. But Acts 1 through 8 has this really broad look at, at how the Lord used all kinds of people uh, as, the, as the church just began and started. And so we're, we're honing in on this. And my hope in this series has been that as we look through these stories, that we see ourselves in some of these people. Because we've seen so many people in so many ways that God is at work um, in the world through all all of us. And this was the promise that Jesus made. Really remember Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the very beginning of the book, Jesus promised this. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this promise is for everyone. And we have read that promise every single week in this series, usually twice, sometimes even three times. And so I hopefully you've, you've memorized that promise because it's just so important. In fact, if you want to understand the book of Acts, that promise is key. And really, if you want to understand church history, that promise is key. Or if you want to understand the church today, that promise is key. That, that we are, are the people who are receiving the power of the Holy Spirit in order to be a witness. And of course, that, that word witness, for some of us, causes a little anxiety. Because we don't see ourselves in that light uh, as, a, as a witness. But, but this is really the promise, is that we would all live into this way of being a, a witness. And, and what we've seen in the book of Acts is that that the witness that the church has is a broad kind of thing. We've seen that people witness in word. We've seen people witness in deed, uh, showing people what the new life in Christ looks like through generosity and service and all kinds of action like that, but also how witness is, is verbalized and, and people tell people about uh, the work of Christ. And that's what we're going to look at today is, is one of the most practical, um, helpful examples of a witness of somebody telling others about the work of Christ and what God can do in their lives. And as we look through this, this is one of my favorite examples in the whole Bible of, of someone witnessing and it's just chocked full of wisdom. And so if you're somebody who struggles with the idea of, of being a witness, that, that you struggle telling people about Christ, telling people about the goodness of God, this story today, this example today is so, so helpful. So we're gonna be in Acts chapter eight, starting in verse 26, and we're gonna keep reading about Philip. We met Philip last week, actually met Philip several weeks ago in Acts chapter 6. Philip is not an apostle. Um, he, he was chosen originally to be, to be a leader in the church because he has administrative gifts. And, and then last week, as we looked at Philip, he, he becomes this witness. As, as the church has experienced some persecution, people have been scattered. Philip had to run out of town. It was getting hard for them. And he finds himself in Samaria, which, remember the promise, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. The, the gospel witness is spreading. And, and Philip... This guy who was chosen for his administrative gifts is, is now being a witness. And we're going to keep seeing this today. Acts chapter 8, verse 26, we're going to see Philip in just an incredible um, example, inspiring example of how to be a witness. So here's, here's what it says. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
So he started out on his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now we're going to keep reading through this, this passage here, but but we're going to see Philip, as we read through this, do one thing consistently. Just He is going to consistently do this thing over and over and over again. And that is this. Philip consistently is obedient. He is obedient to what God tells him to do in the moment, even though at, at times it had to be really hard to understand and, and, it, and it had to be outside of what he was thinking and, and it had to be strange to him. He's still going to be obedient to what God is, is telling him to do, even though it wouldn't have made a lot of sense. I mean, think about this. Philip's got this idea that he's going to be a witness. This is the promise. He's going to be a witness. And, and the Lord tells him, go down the desert road. Go out into the wilderness, away from people. I want you to go that way. And Philip's got like, oh, the people are this way. And God's like, no, 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 I want you to go that way. And what does Philip do? He goes. He goes down the desert road into the wilderness, the deserted place away from people. And when he's in this deserted place, he comes across this high-ranking Ethiopian official. And what does the Spirit tell him? Go stand near the chariot. That's what the Spirit tells him. Which Philip had to be thinking to himself, well, that's awkward. I mean, there's all this place out here. There's always a space. And you want me to go stand next to him? next to him? Have you ever been on an elevator? And then someone comes in and, and they stand right next to you, even though there's all this space in the elevator. It's so awkward. And this is what Philip's kind of called to do. It's like, there's all this place in this deserted road. Go stand next to the one. Go, go stand next to him. Be, be near him. And I just, I, just, I just love that this is what the Lord tells him to do. And this is what Philip does, even though it, it probably felt a little awkward and probably Philip was thinking to himself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look like a weirdo if I just go stand next to him with all of this space out here. But he but he does that. And, and what I love is that, you know, I know how the story goes and how Philip is going to eventually share the gospel with this Ethiopian man. But what I love is also what the Lord doesn't say to Philip in this moment. The Lord says to him, go stand next to the chariot. What the Lord doesn't say to him is, hey, go win him for Jesus. Go convert him. Go preach the gospel to him. Go be a soul winner, Philip. Go, go do that. No, 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 no. All the Spirit tells him to do is just go be near the chariot. Just go stand near him. And, 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 and this is what Philip, Philip does. He, he just, he goes and, and, and does this. And there's so much wisdom in, in understanding this process of how, of how Philip is going to follow the Lord just one step at a time that will eventually lead him to sharing the, the gospel with this, with this guy, being a witness of, with words um, about the goodness of God. But it, it doesn't start with the Lord saying, go and convert him. It just simply starts with the Lord saying, go and stand near him. Because you see, I think sometimes as Christians, we put so much pressure on ourselves when it comes to witnessing. We, we, we start to, to feel all of this pressure like it's our job to go and convert people. And, and we feel like it's, it's on our shoulders and, and we just feel all of this pressure uh, in order to be a witness and convert people. And, and what we see here, this wisdom of just, just go stand near him. There's so much wisdom in, in relieving some of this pressure that sometimes we put on ourselves. I mean, have you ever been in a situation where you're with your friend and maybe your friend doesn't, doesn't believe or isn't living, isn't, is living far from God and, and maybe in conversation with your friend, like faith starts to come up or you start talking about church and, and you start to think to yourself, oh my goodness, I, I need to say something here. 
I don't know what I'm going to say, but I need to say something. And you get really, really nervous because you're thinking to yourself, I got, I got to say something. I don't know what to say, but I need to like be a witness. And, and you get like sweaty in your hands and you're thinking to yourself, I don't even know what to say. And, and, you, and you, you just don't know how to navigate the situation. And then later on, you're driving home and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I should have said that. But in the moment, you just felt pressure. And that's sometimes what we do is we put so much pressure on ourselves because we begin to think that, that it's our job to convert people. We begin to think it's our job to make them a follower of Jesus. And, and, and we just put pressure and pressure and pressure upon ourselves to do this. I've, I've been a Christian my whole life. And I can't tell you how many sermons I've heard about witnessing, where, where eventually the, the preacher who's, who's giving the sermon about witnessing will tell a story about him or her sharing the, the good news with someone else. And, and oftentimes the story goes something like this. The, the preacher gets on an airplane and, and sits down in the, in the flight and, and he introduces himself to the person next to him and they start having a conversation and through the story, one thing leads to another. And by the time they've got wheels down in the next city, they're saying the sinner's prayer right there on the American Airlines flight. And it's just thinking to yourself, you hear the story like, oh my goodness, how inspiring and how bold that, that someone could just share their faith on a, on, a, on a flight like that. I one time heard that version of a story, but it took place on a ski lift. And I'm thinking, like, that's like 10 minutes. I mean, how in the world did that happen? And, and we hear those kinds of stories and we just put more pressure upon ourselves because we think to ourselves, we need to be bold like that. We need to be converting people like that. And we essentially are, are putting this pressure on ourselves because we believe that we are the ones who are responsible for another person deciding to follow Christ. But that's not how the Bible gives this. That's not the biblical truth. The biblical truth is, is that you and I are not responsible for this. This is God's work. God is the one who brings people to himself. I think about, for instance, in Acts chapter 16, Paul is in Philippi, where we get Philippians, the book. And he goes down to the river one day and he starts to share the good news with people. I don't know what it looked like or what the conversation went, but he shared the good news with people. And there was a woman there named Lydia and after Paul shares the good news in Acts chapter 16, verse 14, we read this, just simply this, this, this simple line. It says, the Lord opened her, that is Lydia's heart, to respond to Paul's message. It doesn't say Paul was so persuasive and knew all of the right things and knew exactly what to say so that Lydia responded. No, no, no. The Lord was at work because the Lord is the one who brings people to himself. Or I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul, again, he writes this. He says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Like the Lord is the one who draws people to himself. Now we put all this pressure upon ourselves to think that we are the ones who are responsible for converting people. We are the ones responsible for another person making a decision to follow Christ. But the reality is that God is the one who does this. In theological terms, the, the phrase we have for this is, is, is this phrase, prevenient grace, that we believe God goes before us and that we believe God is at work in everyone's life, whether or not we see it or not, or, or, or whether or not we, we acknowledge it or, or we experience it or not, that we believe God is at work in absolutely everyone's life in order to draw them to himself, that God is seeking to save everyone. And he's, and he's at work in their lives, whether they recognize it or not, but he is because, because God is at work in the world. And God is at work and he wants to use us, but he's at work in bringing everyone to himself. And this is the idea of prevenient grace that, that even people who are far from God, people you would never imagine uh, choosing to follow him, that God is actually at work in their life. And, and this is what he does is he seeks to bring 
people to himself. And so the process of faith and coming to faith and finding Christ is this process of the, of the Lord being at work in their life. Several years ago, I made a shift in how I think about people coming to faith, which is something I think about a lot. I mean, it's my life's work to, to think about how people come to faith. And so several years ago, I made this shift in how I, how I thought about this because I used to think about people coming to faith like a light switch. Like all of a sudden it gets turned on, just like a light switch. All of a sudden the room gets lit. All of a sudden the darkness is gone. All of a sudden it was this way and now it's this new way. And all of a sudden there is this, this transformation and this change as someone opens their life to Christ, just like flipping a light switch. Like there is just this moment and, and it's beautiful and it is powerful and it's profound. It was like this and now it's like this and everything's new. It's Paul on the road to Damascus and this is how I thought that people came to faith. I don't know why I thought that because that's not even how, how my own story worked, but for some reason, this was the way I thought about it. And, and so my job, therefore, was to help people flip the light switch in their life because that was the role of Christians to, to witness and to get them to flip the light switch. But, but somewhere along the lines, I started to think about this very differently. Because I, I, I don't think that, it, from my experience at least, that most people come to faith in that kind of way. Now, there are certainly stories in our church and every church. I mean, if we were together this morning, I could pull the rooms, have you raise your hands. And some of you would probably have light switch kinds of stories Stories where all of a sudden you believed, all of a sudden you found Christ, all of a sudden there was this change, this transformation in your life. And, and we could pull the room, and, and from my experience, I don't have hard numbers on this, but from just my experience, that would be a minority of people. But what I found instead is that the majority of us come to faith much slower than that. And it's not so much a light switch that gets turned on, but it's much more like a, like a dimmer switch. That slowly the room becomes lit, slowly the light comes on slowly. We become aware of what it is that God is doing and slowly we become aware of the work of God in our life. And so for most of us, if I was to pull the room, I think most of us would say that that's how I came to faith. You think maybe back and there was experience or, this, or there were people that God used in your life at certain times and, and maybe they didn't bring you all the way to the line of faith, but they certainly helped you turn the light switch a little brighter in your life and, and you learned just to take another step closer to the Lord. And at the time, maybe you didn't recognize what it was, but looking back, you can see how God was using these people to draw you closer and closer to Him. And what I found is that most people have stories like that. And the point is not, did the light come on all of a sudden or did the light get from darkness to, to light on a dimmer? But the point is just simply, did the light come on in your life? And I've come to think that this is how most of us come to faith. And if what the Lord is doing is he's, he's drawing people to himself and he's turning that dimmer switch brighter and brighter than brighter, what, I, what I've come to learn is that, is that my job then is just to help people take another step. It's to help people turn the switch a little bit more in their life at the right time to offer an encouraging word, at the right time to offer care and support, at the right time to be a witness in word and deed, at the right time to pray with people. And in those moments of, of just stepping out in obedience to the Lord, you just help people turn the light a little bit brighter in their life, take another step closer. And I might be the person who helps someone take that final step across the line of faith and really believe and put their faith in Christ, or, or I might not. But the point is, I, I, I want to be used by God in this kind of way because because what I've learned is like, I'm not the linchpin of the operation. Neither are you. This isn't ultimately our responsibility to bring people to faith. This is what God does. This is what the Holy Spirit does is he draws people to himself. We are not the linchpin. It's really about him. And I think this is why Philip can approach this Ethiopian man with, with this kind of willingness and obedience that we see. Go down the desert road. He goes. 
The Lord's up to something. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to be obedient. Go stand next to the chariot. He goes. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to be obedient. I feel the Lord leading me in this kind of way. He makes himself available. He's simply willing. And as he does this, as he understands he's not the linchpin of the operation, that God is at work before him. Well, this is what happens. This is how it opens up. So let's keep reading here. We're going to go to um, verse 30. So the Lord says to him, go stand next to the chariot. Come back to Philip. So Philip ran up to the chariot. Remember what I said? Consistently, we're going to see him do one thing, and that is be obedient. So Philip ran up to the chariot. And he heard the man reading the prophet. I'm sorry, reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to him. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And then I'm skip to verse 34. It says, the eunuch said to Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Consistently, we have seen Philip do one thing, and that is be obedient, to be obedient. Because Philip, I think he understands this truth. This this is not really about him. He's not the linchpin in this operation. This is not ultimately on his shoulders and his responsibility. In fact, what you see then is that the Lord tells him to take one step and he does it. He takes another step and another step. When finally he has a conversation with this Ethiopian, it's not one of these hard conversations of, if you die tonight, would you go to heaven? It's simply this, do you, do you understand what you're reading? He's opening up a conversation with him because he knows that the Lord is at work. Over and over and over and over, what we see Philip doing is, is he's practicing a kind of willingness to do whatever it is that the Lord says to step in faith, whatever it is that the Lord says to step in faith with. And, and, and this is the ingredient of being a witness. Like this is the key ingredient of if you want to turn the needle in someone's life, help them turn the dimmer switch up in their own life that they might find Christ themselves. The key ingredient we see here from Philip is just simply being willing. Being willing no matter what it might look like or, or how strange it might seem, but just being willing to take that step forward and to trust God with what He has because we come to understand that to be a witness isn't really about us. It it isn't really about what I know. It isn't really about how comfortable I feel. It isn't really about what, what I've mastered or how I can answer hard questions. Really, what it is to be a witness is simply to be obedient and, and willing to, to lay my life before the Lord and say, use me however you want, in whatever way you want. Because we recognize that, that God is at work in the world. And if we're going to be obedient and be willing to follow him, there's, there's an act of surrender that takes place as we come to understand that this isn't really about us. This is really about the Lord and what he is already doing in the world. And so therefore my role is just to surrender to him and say, use me however you want. It reminds me of the story of a famous missionary named Leslie Newbegin. And uh, Leslie Newbegin was a, was a Scottish missionary to India in the 1930s to like 1970s, 1980s. If you're interested in global missions, you need to read Leslie Newbegin, really famous writer, uh, written extensively about global missions. And, and Leslie Newbegin tells a story of when he was a young man and feeling this call from God to serve God with his life that, that one day he went to his local church in Scotland and he, he went there in a in the middle of the week so no one was there and he went to the sanctuary he was trying to fully devote himself to God and his work and in the world and Leslie was already a a believer at this time this was really just about trying to surrender everything to the Lord and everything that God wanted to do for him and so Leslie Newbegin went to went to that sanctuary that afternoon and 
he took out some, pe- some paper as he sat down in the front row of, the, of that church and, and he started to write out all of the things that he was gonna do for God to be a witness. He was, he was gonna preach the gospel and he was gonna care for the sick and he was gonna tithe and he was gonna wake up early to seek after the Lord every day. He's gonna fast once a week and he's gonna do all these things in order to be a witness and sacrifice his life for God. And so he takes up this piece of paper and he goes up to the, to the altar table in that sanctuary, he takes the piece of paper and he lays it there and he says he expects to have this moment of, of surrender to the Lord where he gives God his life and he's laid out what he wants to do for the Lord. He lays that piece of paper on the altar table and he says that he, he, he has this experience of nothing. Like it's just nothing. He expected to have this moment with the Lord and there was just like nothing. And so, and so he took out another piece of paper. And he's like, well, maybe what I wrote wasn't hard enough. And so he, he started, he went down even more. He's like, I'm just going to preach the gospel. I'm going to be a missionary and I'm not going to care for the sick. I'm going to care for like the poorest of the poor who are sick. I'm going to care for the, the least people that I can find. I'm not, I'm not going to fast twi- once a week. I'm going to fast twice a week. I'm going to wake up even earlier and I'm going to give not just a tithe, but everything I have away. I'm just going to do and do and do and do in order to be a witness for God. I'm going to do all these hard things for God. And so he takes up this piece of paper with even harder things written on him and he lays them on the altar table before the Lord to say, I'll, I'll do all of these these things for you in my life. And, and again, he says, he just, he just feels nothing, <laughs> nothing. And he goes and sits down in that front pew and he's, he's just left wondering like, why isn't the Lord showing up? Why, why am I not having this experience that I thought I was going to have? Like, where is the Lord in this? And, and so then he had another idea and he took out one more piece of paper. And this time he, he left it blank. And, and he went up to that altar table and he, he just said that prayer that we pray every single week. He said, he said, thy will be done. And he lays that blank piece of paper on the altar table and tells the Lord, you, you write the script because my life is in your hands. And Leslie goes on and he says, he says that he has this moment of peace in his life that he has never experienced before as he meets with the Lord in this act of surrender. Because to be a witness, it's not to do all these hard things for the Lord, it's simply to open your life up to him and say, your will be done. Use me in whatever form you want because I'm not the linchpin of the operation. I'm not the one who carries all the responsibility. This is not ultimately about me, this is about you. The key ingredient to being a witness, the key ingredient to sharing your faith with others, the key ingredient to moving the dimmer switch in anyone's life is just simply that. It's willingness, it's surrender. It's being obedient and and following the leading of the Lord that that however he wants to use you, he will. Jesus said this, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be his witness in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You see, the work that God has for you is to be a witness. The work that he has for you is to share the goodness of God with others. The work that he has for you is to lead others to himself by slowly turning that dimmer switch in their life. And who knows what that looks like, but I guess the central question is just simply this. Are you willing? Are you willing to follow him? Are you willing to surrender to him? Are you willing to let him use you in whatever form he would see fit? Because this isn't really about you at all. It's about him and the work that he wants to do through you to lead others to himself. Let's pray today. So Father, as we wrap up this series and we've seen story after story of women and men who are used by you to be a witness, I just wanna pray, God, that you might use us. 
We might have all kinds of ideas um, in our minds about how you want us to be a witness, but really ultimately, Lord, this comes down to surrender, that we wanna lay our life before you. And we just wanna say, Lord, would you use us? We don't have any ideas of what this looks like. We don't need to know um, the methods and we don't need to, to know what, what, what you're requiring, but Lord, it's just, it's just really this, would you use us? And the people around us and the conversations we find ourselves in and the relationships we have in the world, would you use us to help draw others to yourself? Because we know that you're already at work in the world and this is really about you and not about us. The key ingredient of being a witness is that we might be willing, that we might be willing to be used by you, however you see fit. And so Father, today we lay our lives before you. We ask that you might use us and that your will might be done in us for the benefit of your kingdom. God, we thank you, we love you, we worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Not here, why not now? 
It's been so good to be together this Sunday as, as we've been able to make this move to be online only today. I want to say thank you to so many people who make this happen. Every single week we've got a team who work hard to make online worship happen. How grateful are we today that on this really cold day that we could be together and do this. I want to say thank you to, to Alec Knopf for one, for the work that he does every single week in making this happen. Jim, uh, thank you for leading us. KJ, Stephanie, Mary Jackson, thank you for leading us in song. You all make a big difference in our church. And friends, it's been great to share this day with you as we celebrate and we think about the ways that God wants to use us in this world to be a witness. Let's be willing to be used by Him however it looks. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.